Hi, welcome everyone to Pop Cult X episode 120. Uh, got a lot of interesting things to talk about, so we're going to go and jump right into it. Danny, how are you? I'm good. How about yourself? Doing really good. I uh, had a great week with uh, some cool new things that, that I got into, so I want to get started. Uh, the first one being, I finally got the opportunity to see Blue Beetle nice. on Sunday. Uh, was weathering the tropical storm that was... <laughs> Uh, what is it, Tropical Hillary or yeah, or whatever it was, um, didn't really turn out to be all that much here in San Diego, but I thought if I have to be stuck indoors, I might as well be at the movie. So we went to uh, the AMC here locally and, and checked out Blue Beetle, and it was really entertaining. It was a really fun movie. Um, it is uh, kind of, you know, the same old stories that you know are, are always told like shakespeare says every story <laughs> only like what five stories that are keeping yeah yeah so it's like that coming of age story about a young man um kind of coming to terms with the new powers that he has sort of like spider-man superman all of the others um the difference being that um he is a mexican-american latino uh, man and he is um returning from college as a recent college graduate and oh, okay. with the support of his family is trying to develop his new life and um that happens to be that he turns into a superhero um with the uh blue beetle that attaches himself itself to to him and all the adventure that it then turns into um from there um but it was a really funny movie it's it has a lot of jokes george lopez is really funny in it got a lot of cool action um susan trandon is pretty good as the villain um, but it was really entertaining and it has a kind of a heartfelt felt message that, you know, family is important, um, mm -hmm. which is obviously very true for a lot of Latino or Mexican-American, Mexican people um, that that family is is a really core value to to us as uh, people. Um, so it kind of goes from from that uh, theme. And um, but outside of that, it's just real fun. Uh, lots of cool special effects. Uh, really cool superpowers that he uh, has this alien technology that can kind of turn into different types of weapons um, to protect him and then to be an offensive weapon as as well as a defensive weapon. So um, hopefully it did really well. It It's the number one movie. It mm -hmm. overtook Barbie. So I'm hoping that maybe it'll get a sequel and it'll send a message to Hollywood that we need to see more movies with uh, Latino superheroes in it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, not even superheroes, just Latinos as leads, right, in the films. But I haven't seen it yet, so um, thank you for sparing a little bit of the details. Uh, yeah. I do plan on watching it soon, especially because, and I'm going to tease for uh, September 3rd, if you guys are here watching now, uh, before then, we're going to be having a Blue Beetle Roundup. I'm calling it a roundup. We're going to have um, the artist, the um, writer, and the colorist for the new DC ongoing Blue Beetle series on our show in a live special. So make sure you guys follow and subscribe to us so that way you're notified when that happens. Of course, it's going to be on September 3rd, which is a Sunday at noon. So You've heard it here. Yeah, and, and that's the kind of the thing that's really cool about these movies that are made from, from comic books is that mm -hmm. 
you if you get really interested and and invested in the character then you can kind of turn towards the comic books and kind of continue that adventure even if it doesn't result in a second or third film or like guardians of the galaxy a third film but then it ends but then you can go back to the comics and, and still have more adventures if you will with those characters Definitely. And I think James Gunn did say that Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle, is going to be a big part of the DCU going forward. So okay. whether whether that's as a team up or on a solo films, but he's going to be he's in the works for the rest of the DCU. So that's that's good to hear. Yeah, that's very cool. I'm really excited to hear that. Yeah. And it's I did watch another film that had a Latino lead, but it wasn't um, a superhero movie. And that's why I said that. I watched a fun film on Hulu called Miguel Wants to Fight. Now, um, it's a action film. I think it's made by like action nerds. I think, um, what's her name? Shay Serrano was one of the co-writers on it. Um, and it was really, really fun and entertaining. It was had comedic elements. And it basically, it was another coming of age story like you watch with Blue Beetle. Um, and it centered around family, but also... Um, found family so miguel and his three best friends um go through you know their high school years and how they always get two of them always like to get into fights and how one of them miguel doesn't has never like jumped in with them so he feels like kind of like the outcast and how he learns to come to grips with that and then an event happens in the movie that makes him really want to get into a fight hence the title and it's really fun. It pulls from like um, Enter the Dragon, pulls from like Matrix type movies. So he envisions himself fighting in these different type of styles. And it's it's really fun and entertaining. So if you have Hulu, which Gabe, I know you don't, but anyone out there, if you do have Hulu, go watch Miguel Wants to Fight. It is really fun. Nice. I, I will have to somehow get Hulu back and check it out. Yeah. Just, just for that film. I would. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, the, the other thing that I did was... Um, I had a bit of a throwback moment. Um, I went to go see some bands from like the 80s, oh, nice. uh, Culture Club and Berlin and Howard Jones. If you're familiar with those people from from the 80s, I mean, um, some some even like the early 80s. Um, but it was really fun. It was another concert event that I have gone to that has been sort of targeted towards the Gen X um uh and they're not necessarily like the biggest hit makers now but it was really fun just to kind of go and hang out um i got some some vip tickets from from my day job so i was able to kind of relax in the vip area and just kind of chill out and uh listen to some good music and um i think berlin and they said that they've been together for like over 45 years 40 years so they've been doing their thing for a really long time um and so that was fun uh, just to kind of hang out and see a bunch of old people drink and have a good time listening to music. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I listened to some music, too, this weekend or this past week, and it got me to thinking um, about a topic that we should discuss on the podcast. Maybe we'll do it today uh, if there's time. Um, I watched a Beastie Boys story on Apple TV+. Plus. And it was a fun story told by Mike D and MCA, the two surviving members of Beastie Boys. And it was really, um, really cool to hear their stories of how they came together, um, how they formed, what they went through, and, you know, how much um, Adam Yauk, who passed away, how much he meant and drove the other two to actually form the group. So I know you've said you're not a huge Beastie Boys fan. 
but it's really worth um, spending an hour and a half watching that documentary to learn about them. Maybe it'll give you a deeper appreciation of what they did and what they went through. Yeah, I'm, I I like some. I like their old. I mean, their newer stuff. I mean, now it's considered old. But <laughs> if you look at like their their career span, like yeah. the very beginning of the career, like what's that one song? Like "Fight for Your Right to Party." Yeah, I can't stand that song. That's like one of my least favorite songs ever. Uh, but other than that, I like a lot of their other uh, music. So mm-hmm. I just can't deal with that one particular album and that one song. That's License to Ill, which came out in 1986. Um, yeah, which is funny, which made me think about the year 1986 and what other songs or music or movies came out in that time frame that maybe I didn't appreciate as much oh. then because I was only nine years old. But maybe now looking back, I really did say, hey, that was really cool. Um, and of course, Paul Revere, which is on that License to Ill album, is one that I recognize or probably knew the lyrics to when it first came out at nine, 10 years old, it was such a great fun song for me. But yeah. um, they talk about that, the fight for your right to party, how it kind of um, made them look like these frat boys and stuff. And they had, so they played into that image hard for that time, but now they can't stand it. So it's really, it's really funny that you said you can't stand that song because I think if they, if you were to ask them if they liked it right now, they'd be like, no, we hated that now. Yeah. So it's an it's, annoying song. it really is a bad like i don't know what it is about that particular song but i just it really gets under my skin but what are the things out in that year that that uh you can remember well there was a lot of like cartoons that of course were available like um ghostbusters cartoons there was like you know gi joe transformers but um i remember my sister is watching like pound puppies cartoons that was a big toy at the time too of course care bears as well um now just recently i watched the movie alien the the original one all the way through for the very first time nice that's might be sound surprising but i've never seen it all the way through um and then i didn't realize that it took seven years between when alien came out in 1979 to the sequel aliens in 1986 so i watched that a couple days ago for the very first time all the way through and it was quite the improvement. I really enjoyed Aliens, um, the sequel, much better than I did the first one. Yeah, Aliens, I think, is where James Cameron kind of developed his his style of action. Um, it's just such a really good movie. There's so is. many good light quotes, uh, a lot of action, the special effects, uh, the science fiction aspect of it. It's such a good movie. It's a classic. Yeah. It really is. It's really a great movie. I really did enjoy it, and I can't believe it took me this long to watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Why? Why? Why did you wait? <laughs> Just one of those things that you never, you know, you. Oh, I'll watch it one day. One day. One day never came around till a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, one of the things that kind of relates to that time period is that um, the character Beetlejuice. I went to go see mm. the Beetlejuice musical the other day, mm. and it was hilarious. It's so funny. <laughs> you know that I'm not like a huge fan of musicals, but yeah, um, Beetle, the Beetlejuice character is so funny. Um, there, there's just to give you an idea of like what what kind of humor uh is is evident in the musical uh one of the characters you know beetlejuice turns to him and says you know you've really changed you've really you know developed and the guy's like no i haven't he's like okay well then fuck off (laughs) 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 it it made me laugh because it was just like it's so it's so irreverent and um 
so funny. I mean, it's just it, the he really the character really Beetlejuice like the musical like the music is is okay, but uh, the jokes that he has in the musical are just hilarious. I really recommend it for anyone that's into that type of stuff. Very Especially cool. if you're a fan of the Beetlejuice movie, mm-hmm. uh, it's a really good. It's it's a different story than the movie. They've kind of changed it around, uh, but it's 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 really fun and kind of keeps you guessing because they don't really they didn't like basically make the movie into a musical. They took concepts from the movie and then turned it into a musical. That's what I was going to ask. Did they retell the story, or is it like um, an extension of the movie, or? Yeah, it's it more from the the point of view of Lydia um, losing her mom and mm. um, and her kind of being goth and suffering, you know, mm-hmm. and and being depressed because she doesn't have her mom, and then from there she kind of meets Beetlejuice and the you know adventures and hilarity ensue. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. What other things about 1986 really stand out to you? Um, to be honest, I can't really remember specifically uh, that year. If I Googled, I'm sure that I would be able to see some things, but um, I would have to look at at what, I mean, I can remember vaguely more like the 80s than I can that specific year. Gotcha. And Gabe, not to interrupt our 1986 conversation, but we did have a little talk about Blue Beetle. And I, I got a little excited when you mentioned that you saw it because um, there was an artist who recently did uh, a little Blue Beetle story in the Legions of Bloom that just came out um, not too long ago, and that's a Jacoby Saucedo. And we're fortunate enough to be joined by Jacoby, the artist here um, on Pop Cult X. Thanks, Jacoby, for taking some time tonight. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, you guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's really cool to um, to go from the movie, Gabe, I'm sure you could talk a little bit more about this, to seeing some of your artwork and as Blue Beetle continues to grow and hopefully just continues to blow up for more people to see them. Um, when you got approached to do the Blue Beetle uh, for this issue, um, what was that like for you? Uh, it was super exciting. So actually, so how I kind of got that job was that I did a Rose City Comic Con in Portland last year, and uh, I was tabling with my uh, frequent collaborator Julio, who there's our book Frontera that just came out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, he was he, the editor Andrew Marino. He was uh, doing like port, uh, portfolio reviews. Oh, cool! And I kind of was like, uh, should I take up his time because? I was at a point in my career where I was just like slowly. I like I, I think that weekend it just announced like my Dark Horse mini series, and he was like, "Dude, you should just do it." And I was like, "Okay, fine." <laughs> and I did do it, and I'm so glad I did. And he was like, "All right, what's your schedule looking like?" And a couple months later, he hits me up, and he's like, "Hey, do you want to do this Blue Beetle short?" And it would be with with julio as well so uh that's That's how that happened and yeah it was really cool because one it was my first dc project but uh julio is like a brother to me now and Mm -hmm. it was really cool to have that first project be with him as well that's Uh, really cool yeah speaking of, of julio how did you guys create that partnership how did you guys come together um so we 
when Julio, Julio and I were like both uh, coming up, uh, I just kind of got like a random email. And he was like, hey, my name is Julio. I have this comic idea or this short comic. Are you down to do this? And at the time, I was like, I literally was doing nothing. Like, I was just like, just drawing for myself. And I was like, sure, why not? And he was like, <laughs> hey, it's paid. And I was like, oh, definitely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we did this short story. I think it was like eight pages. It was called The Price of Freedom. And over that just that like short amount of time uh i was like this is like fun and he was like yeah i feel the same too and he was like do you want to do another story together and i was like sure why not <laughs> and it actually ended up being uh frontera the the initial story and um it was going to be for an anthology but we got rejected <laughs> but it all worked out for us because yeah. i mean I think that'd be that was like 2019 when we first started talking about the book and now four years later it's out and yeah but like after I after you know after those four years it's like we've become so close I visited him that summer like 2019 is when we started really working on that book or started working on the story at least and like I like text him almost every day so Nice. We like this. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give a little brief rundown of what Frontera is for maybe our oh, yeah, audience yeah. Who, who who aren't familiar with it? Let's do that. Let me let me do a little. Gabe okay, is yeah. modeling it there. <laughs> there <Yeah>. you go. <laughs> uh, so Frontera is about this boy named Mateo, and he's traveling. He's immigrating back into the country through the Sonoran Desert, mm -hmm. and on his journey there, he gets lost, uh, but a ghost Guillermo who died uh, years and years ago is helping him on his journey. Uh, the story is fictional, but it is super grounded. Like other than the ghost, every like uh, moment within the book is based on uh, a real story. Like a real, mm -hmm. like example is like a, uh, the character he goes to a water aid station and like finds the station completely wrecked and destroyed because mm -hmm. of a border patrol mm -hmm. and this is like based on real events that have actually happened and there's like the there the whole book is has that grounded feeling and it's our first graphic well yeah our first graphic novel and i'm like super happy with them not I can't say that often about like stuff that I draw because you know I'm a harsh critic, but like it's one of those things where I was like I'm super proud of it. It's it's our baby, so yeah, as you should be. Yeah, be proud of it. Yeah, show it off. I I've been looking for it. I just probably have to go online and order it. So yeah, yeah, it's that's really cool. So how how important was it for for you to to develop this story and and for you to to get it out there? Um, I know that that you're Mexican American, and um, you know you're you you belong to the same culture that is depicted within the, the book. Um, how important was it for you to tell that type of story? It was super important. I won't lie; like initially, this is Julio's idea, and mm -hmm. it, uh, he when he was telling me about it, you know, it was mostly inspired by like anger, just mm -hmm. of what like 
it was like 2019 so you know the president at that mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. Eh, not a great guy <laughs> <laughs> um but he so like there's a lot of just conflict going on at the border and he was just yeah. like okay i need to tell like a story um and working with julio i've kind of like become closer with like my culture and like my the mexican side of me because beforehand it was just like it wasn't too focused i wasn't too focused on that but it was super i don't know refreshing and kind of like reinvigorating um just like becoming closer to that side of my family it's my dad's side and you know like it had me curious about like how he how what his journey was just hearing about it and just like you and also just the context of what i was aware of like he was in the army for like over 20 years and still was not a legal citizen so it's like you know being aware of that and then having what julio's like like uh told me you know or had the inspiration for the story and like I know the process and how long it takes. And like, mm-hmm. I know it is so much, so justified for people to cross the border. Like these people want a better life. And I, it's, it is angry that people are like, no, you have to do it the right way. And it's just like, it's not that like, you don't understand the, what is going on in someone's life and how hard that process is. Right. Right. That's really cool that it brought you working with Julio and, and within these comics brought you closer to your Mexican culture heritage. I myself am in a similar boat because I, when I started this podcast, I'm half Mexican, half Jewish, but I really didn't explore my Mexican heritage and culture that much. But talking to different creative people through the show here, I've been able to really um, have a, a greater sense of this whole tapestry mm-hmm. that I'm involved with. So it's really yeah, cool. No. It's really cool to hear that. It is exciting. And it's, it, yeah, it just gets me excited to be more involved in just stuff. And I think it speaks to the importance of representation, right? With, mm-hmm. with in comic books and uh, within art, um, you know, I, I was talking earlier about just watching Blue Beetle and you obviously worked on on Blue Beetle, but to see a superhero that looks like us, that is a brown person, um, that is the hero um, is so important for for young kids to grow up and even for adults to be able to see that representation and see that side of us being represented is, is so powerful. Um, so thank you for for being part of that with your work with Frontera and, and Blue Beetle. And um, I also have another um, piece of your work, uh, Young Men in Love. Um, yes. <laughs> an anthology that you took part of um, that also has a bit of like a fantasy um, supernatural feel to it. Mm-hmm. Is that something that that you're I, I know that you didn't write the the story, but is that something that you're attracted to in your own personal life to, you know, the supernatural or fantasy? Um, I think the both those stories are kind of what I really like that taste of like it's grounded but just with a little twist, like right. what that twist is, it could be anything, but like, I, I like, like slice of life stuff. I, I love slice of life, just stories. Um, but I love like, I, I love my little twist, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that story was really cool. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the band Rebelde. Yeah. 
uh, one of the, sh- uh, this is my little, t- it's like unnoticeable. Like you would have to be a hardcore fan to find it. But like <laughs> the, the, the boy, when he's sitting on the dock, he has like a tourist shirt of their, of the band. So. Oh, nice. That's <laughs> um, cool. But yeah. And also the, the Peter Pan character is definitely based off of, uh, Jeremy Sumter from like the Peter Pan from like 2003 or four. Yeah. I, I'm now I'm I'm thumbing through it and I'm looking at it at the <laughs> t-shirt. Uh, that's awesome that you put that in there. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, there's my little, <laughs> no. little nod. You're like, yeah. there you go. <laughs> now, have you always been um, drawing, doodling from a young, very young age, or is that something that maybe you got into? Or when did you pick up or get inspired to create art? Um, I want to say either fifth or sixth grade. I mean, I've been drawing like forever, but fifth or sixth grade is when I was like, oh, I'm drawing, drawing because (laughs) my dad, he has like a very like kind of beaky nose. So like (laughs) I was like sitting on the couch and, you know, he was beside me and I like look and you, you just see this like perfect profile. And I was like the literal urge of like, I want to draw that. And so I did. And then I like was kind of very much just going with that process and just kept drawing and drawing. And then I did pastels, but oh, we're not going to do that anymore. (laughs) Was there a a certain point or time where you're like, hey, you know what? I could I could maybe make a living or maybe do something with this for my career or future. Yeah, actually, I blame my mom for getting me into comics. Uh, So. They had like this evening program on TV and they it just shows like local events going on and she was watching that and it was uh they were talking about Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. Mm. And she like goes up, she like comes up to me, she's like, Hey, uh, do you wanna go to this? Because I wasn't into comics at all at this point. It was just like because of Star Wars, you know, where it's just yeah. like I know you like Star Wars. This is nerd stuff. So you want to do it? I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> this is nerd stuff. <laughs> and uh, like at that back then, it's like you could buy the t- the badges at uh, comic shops. Oh, okay. So we went to our local comic shop, and it was like crazy, mind blowing. And I I do think about uh, like the comic shop, uh, my local comic shop was this like giant blue warehouse, and it was like great staff, like top top of the line stuff and yeah like uh that was my first time going to a comic shop i was blown away nice. uh this uh there we go this uh anakin skywalker one uh-huh. that was like the first figure i got like i th- that's one of the first things i bought from the store from that comic shop and i uh, a trade of uh kick-ass nice. <laughs> uh, i was a, uh, i think i was a freshman in high school so you know i had to be edgy I was like, what? I need violence, you know? So, but yeah, yeah. that was, that was kind of that start. And then I was at that point, I was kind of like maybe considering like fine arts, but that was so broad and like vague. And like, also I was like, how would I even get to a point where I can live? And then Mm -hmm. once I like was reading comics, I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Like this is a career like right here. Yeah, so. very cool. Speaking of that, did you go to school to 
um, for that? Or are you self-taught? What was your, your process of, of becoming, you know, uh, a professional artist? Um, I did go to school. So I did, uh, my mom as well. She was like very supportive to an extent where it was like, okay, but you have to go to school or college. I was like, uh, okay. (laughs) Uh, and you know, I was, I was privileged enough where she was like, I, I, I wanted to go to uh, New York, and she was like, "There's a, the School of Visual Arts there, and they have a like an actual degree in cartooning, which is comics." And I was like, "I want to do this," and she was like, "Okay, like, <laughs> you know, it was like kind of she kind of got herself with that one, <laughs> but." Uh, <laughs> Last mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, you're, you're making me go. <laughs> so, uh, but so I did the. I went to SVA for two years. Uh, the first year was like prereqs, and I was like, my kind of letting go of fine arts. So I did like mm-hmm. a bunch of weird stuff and a lot of penis art for some reason. <laughs> um, and that was like super fun and like just a super cool experience to have and then the second year that was like when it was like all right we're doing comics now and i got to uh uh be taught by like uh klaus jansen oh well yeah and he was super cool and like he very much kind of took me under his wing which was like a a really cool experience like it Mm -hmm kind of validated just like how i felt like or just validated like where i was at in my just comic making and like we've become friends now and like every time i get to visit the city i try to like go see him and after that i was kind of like okay i kind of got what i wanted though (laughs) and i don't (laughs) want to like take out any more loans so i left my mom got mad at me and i've just been kind of like going to comic cons and just like giving people little ash cans like hey i draw comics hey i draw comics and i mean if you're trying to break into comics i highly recommend that (laughs) there you go yeah that's that's a good piece of advice i guess just get your name out there to as many people as you can who are in Mm -hmm. the industry yeah yeah i think that that's that's been like a really common theme with a lot of the guests that we've had on the show is like if you're really passionate about something and you want to do something within, you know, a creative environment, mm-hmm. just start making the work that that you want to make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, then try to discover, okay, who's going to buy it, who's going to help produce it, you know, who's going to help finance it, et cetera. But at the end of the day, if you want to create something, it's on you to create it. So um, that, that's interesting that that's a very common piece of advice that a lot of our guests have had. Yeah. It, I I think uh, just going back to like the school thing, it's always been like a question. A question I think about is like, was that worth it though? Yeah. And it is kind of interesting because I did learn a lot, but it's like, was that just like my experience or you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the I think Comic Cons are such a big like help. I know mm-hmm. they're technically like a a a, a price wall. Because I mean, like they they do keep getting expensive. They're like seventy yeah. bucks for a day now, wow. depending on what con. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like 
I've met like some really cool people that way. Like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Robert Wilson, the fourth. I'm not. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, he doesn't really do too many comics. He does a lot more print stuff now, but uh, I remember he was like one of the few people because I heard like, oh, he gives critiques and now we're like friends. And That's every cool. time I see him at a show, I'm like, hey, what's up? Like we go get food. <laughs> and, but yeah. That's really cool. Is there any? Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, uh, as a uh, as a question, um, I think a lot of artists are very fearful of critiques and and are really, um, you know, it's really hard for them. How did you get to the point where were you able to to put your stuff out there for critique and and to see it for what it was worth, you know, for the value um, of having someone critique it? Um, how did you make that adjustment, or was it ever difficult for you to to get that work out there? Um. Great question. <laughs> uh, I think I've been pretty open to critiques. Um, but also I think it goes to like who I'm getting the critique from. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say if it's like just some friend that doesn't read comics and is like, hey, you drew this kind of weird. I would probably not, I'd probably be like more annoyed than just like, oh, okay. But like um, <laughs> going, oh, I so the the talent man, uh, editor, I knew I was not going to get anything from this work, but at the time, I'm pretty sure I felt confident. From Marvel, um, I had this. I made this little Punisher Ashcan uh, comic that, like, I just it was just like my own story. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was doing a lot of like splatter like stuff, and it wasn't even like blood splatter. It was like a uh, just splatter for effect <laughs> texture, I guess. And the first thing he says. He opens it and he says, ah, oh, splatter. <laughs> I was just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's like, you and, might not want to turn that page. But, you know, like, I uh, I don't know if I can cuss on here, but I crap yeah. or not. <laughs> uh, that, like, made me be like, okay, maybe that was too much splatter. And <laughs> I think also a little bit of me was like feeling confident in what I was doing at least at that time so I felt like you know like this is technically my best work so let me show it and you know like take the critique honestly and truly work on that and uh going back to Robert Wilson one of them was one of his critiques was like hey like I think you should try to clean up your lines a little bit more like and he was like even at like he said that, but also as like the part where it's like, this might also just be a little preference like thing where, but mm. like, you know, those these people have been doing it for a while now. So they know what they're talking about. And like, I've taken that critique, like both those critiques to heart, not in a negative way, but just like, okay, like I see their point And I think definitely depends on who I'm getting the critique is as to how much it's going to affect me. Yeah. Or annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Um, so obviously, seeing from your background there, you are a huge pop culture fan and comic book fan. Um, is there anything you're currently reading, watching, listening to that you can share with us that maybe yes. inspires you? I actually made a little list for you guys because I was oh. watching your shows. I was studying up, I promise. <laughs> what do we have on here? So definitely reading uh well i guess finishing daredevil there's a dark nice, yeah. mm -hmm. um i really like that one i'm like 
collecting the hardcovers. You can't really see it from that angle, but I'm collecting the hardcovers as well. And like the first volume for the hardcover is completely out of print. So I've been like stalking eBay oh. all over for it. <laughs> so annoying. Uh, the Something's Killing the Children, like universe stuff. So like House of Slaughter and both the main title, another killer series, literally. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, what We Do in the Shadows. That one's, oh, nice. I love it. Uh, probably after this, I'm going to watch the Soka. So, yes, yes. I'm going to watch it tonight as well. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, <laughs> you could probably guess that already, but... Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I got gonna, you. I, yeah. I got you. My, I like your X-Wing in the background there, so... Uh, perfect. Yeah. Twins, practically. <laughs> uh, what do we got? Barbie, which was amazing. I didn't have any pink. Uh, Team NT, the, the new one, that was so mm, good. Mm-hmm. Um, this fool, I don't know if you've heard of that one. That one's on Hulu. I haven't. I've uh, I've heard of it, haven't watched it yet though. I've heard of it though. It's like a kind of cholo version of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course Blue Beetle, which I think I'm like hesitant to give people my review on that one just because I'm like, did I like it because I understood a lot more references or was it just generally that good? I think. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, but I was dying laughing with certain scenes in that movie, and also I literally cried. Like, I've never cried that hard in a movie, <laughs> and that was maybe it was because I wasn't expecting that, but like, that was so good. I'm yeah, sure Gabe, I, you I, know I may what have shared about. shed a little bit of a tear. <laughs> uh, anything that has to do with like parents or like specifically like a dad it makes me cry i have both of my parents are still with me but like for some reason that's like my kryptonite i will just start crying like a baby yeah no exactly and it's yeah like uh, uh jaime's dad reminds me a lot of like my dad yeah and you know it was just it got me. oddly enough i also cried at barbie so i don't know maybe it's just me I, yeah I, I won't lie yeah the the the, the ending definitely got me to Barbie, but Blue Beetle had Blue Beetle had like rolling tears, uh, you know. Yeah. But music, uh, yeah, Frank Ocean <laughs> is that's my guy. <laughs> Haven't listened to him in a while, but I mean, like, he hasn't released music in a while, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you have yeah. to go revisit like classics a lot of times with artists, and oh, I, I, I find myself listening to the same albums over and over and over. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> So when, when it comes to listening to music, do you, when you're creating your artwork, when you're drawing, or do you typically have music playing? And is there any specific music that kind of helps get the creative process going? Um, Not consciously, at least, but uh, I do listen to music. I have been listening to it way more now. Um, as of now, it's been a lot of like house music. Nice. Oh, okay. Um, and like, I'll be at my table just kind of just doing this <laughs> while drawing and just moving along. And it, I think it's pretty motivating for me. It gets me literally moving and I feel a little faster with it. But like, I like a nice little like disco house music. I listen to this uh, YouTube uh, station or channel, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, book club radio. 
and they they have a little DJ sets going on or like the oh cool another DJ set is like a it's boiler room I don't know if you're familiar hmm. but they have a lot of house music and DJs playing so I'm just grooving along to that but other than yeah. that nothing too much I usually but most of the time it's also like I forget to put on music or like it stops after a certain song. So I'm just like, I have these in and it's like, there's nothing going. So I'm just, these are just for a display at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you get so engrossed in your work, I'm guessing that you just don't even realize that it's just silence at that point. Yeah. No, yeah. That's exactly what happens. It's just like, I'm focusing on work. I don't have time to start a new song. <laughs> very cool well if people wanted to follow along with you on social media and follow your journey and your work where could they find you at uh on twitter yes not x (laughs) and instagram (laughs) i'm at not jacoby n-o-t-j-a-c-o-b-y uh i'm also that on blue sky okay and i am doing tiktok now but Someone oh, took okay. not Jacoby, so it's just my first and last name, Jacoby Salcedo. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Jacoby, or not Jacoby, yeah. <laughs> thank you for taking some time to chat with us today. We really thank appreciate that. Thank you guys so that. much again. This is super fun. Um, before we let you go, though, is there anything you want to tease or maybe that's coming out that you're working on for the future like that we can look forward to? Um. Well, if we're going further in the future, 2026, uh, Julio and I do have a middle grade graphic novel that's been announced called Paco and Tiny. Okay. Um, we do have a IP character next fall, next year fall. Okay. Um, no hints in the background at all. <laughs> I'm looking around then. Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh mostly just working with julio and i think almost strictly working with julio but yeah nice if it if it what's the saying if it's not broken don't fix it yeah exactly there you oh go. yeah uh, wait let me probably shout this out too it's on the teenage wasteland the trade as well very it cool. comes out uh august 30th oh very cool yeah i was looking for issues of that now just go pick up the trade yeah go pick the trade honestly looks amazing i I personally prefer the trade design than the single issues okay that looks cooler and also it has a speaking of music uh, each issue has its own playlist and there's a qr code and within each one so oh that's really cool that's really really cool i like when they do when creatives do that they tie the comic books or the art with music and stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, that was definitely, I liked, was like, hey, can we do this? And by we, it was just me because I just wanted <laughs> to do it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. And I'm looking yes. forward to picking that up then. <laughs> and of course, we also have. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. That's right. We got yeah. Young Men in Love and definitely don't forget Frontera. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Highly recommended right from from uh, yours truly here at Pop Cold X. So um, all, all of our readers, our listeners, should go out and read them um, and take a look and definitely support uh, all the uh, great work that you've been doing. Thank you, thank you again so much, guys. This is fun. Absolutely, thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure. That was a really fun uh, conversation we had with Jacoby. Uh, really cool artist doing a lot of great work. I definitely highly recommend going out and checking out. Mm-hmm. Montera and Young Men in Love. You can, I think I found 
Young Men in Love at my local comic book shop. Um, Frontera I got at off of Amazon. So okay. uh, definitely go and look it up, check it out, buy it, support artists making good work. Um, that's definitely um, how we show our support around these parts. So um, I, I highly recommend people going out and picking it up. So um, other than that, I think we're all we're all set. Danny, was there anything else that you wanted to mention uh, this week regarding pop culture? No, I think that pretty much covered it for this week. Nice. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in, uh, for listening, for watching us on YouTube. You know where to find us. Um, please like and subscribe, and we will see you again in one week. Stay safe, everyone. Bye, everyone.